describe it is just amazing. Amen. It is amazing. Would you do me a favor one more time, turn and smile at somebody and tell them they look better than they did the last time you saw them. Amen. Somebody might need that little encouragement. You ever had one of those days when everything you did just went wrong? Anybody have one of those days today? I read about this young man that lived across the street from a, uh, a bowling alley. And every day at a precise time, an armored truck would pull up. He would watch the guy get out and go in. A little while he would come back with these bags full of money. And he would leave. And being the crafty guy that he was, he thought, now you know what? It would be easy for somebody to rob that. Woods all around behind the bowling alley. He, he said, I could slip behind there and I could come out with my gun and I could rob him and go back in the woods and get my car, go around the block, come back in my garage and sit in my apartment and watch it all unfold and never catch me. And so he plotted and planned, and one day he finally got up the courage. He got his shotgun. He put his ski mask on. He went around behind the bowling alley, and he hid in the woods until that truck pulled up. He watched that guy get out, and he counted the minutes because he knew every day precisely at the right minute, he would come out, and sure enough, this day he came out, and he had two big bags full, and so he come busting out of the woods with a mask over, shotgun. He said, give me your bags. Put your hands up. This is a hole up. And the guy startled. He just dropped the bags. The guy reached down. He was going to pick up both bags, but when he got the one bag, it was so heavy he couldn't carry it by, you know, two of them and hold the shotgun. So he said, man, it must be a million dollars in here. He grabbed that bag and ran off into the woods. And the old guy, the armored guy, he, he goes back in. He speaks to the manager and he said, man, you will not believe what just happened. He said, I just got robbed. He said, you mean he took your wallet? He said, oh, no, he didn't take my wallet, but he took a bag full of dirty towels. <laughs> and you thought you had a bad day. Yeah. God's good to us, folks. What Brother Jay said earlier is true. God noticed the fact that you came to church tonight on a Wednesday night. I read the book of 1 Thessalonians. The Bible said he took note of their labor of love, their work of patience. He took note of what they were trying to do to uphold the gospel. God knows what we're doing tonight. And he is looking down, I believe, He's not just looking down. He's among us right now. Let's praise him again. Would you do that? Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Amen. I want us to go to prayer. Very special need. Brother Tim brought to my attention before service his dad. Uh, they have discovered some 
tumors, one around his aorta, I believe, and one that goes into his bones. They are not sure what, what all it is, but uh, they, he needs a definite touch from God tonight. Let's pray for that need right now. In the name of Jesus, God, you're the healer. You are the healer no matter what the sickness or disease is. God, you're the healer of cancer. You can consume the tumor by the spoken word. I pray tonight, God, that you would speak over that life healing tonight. In the name of Jesus, confound the wise, the scholar, Lord, the doctors, the lawyers. God, do a sovereign work. In the name of Jesus, let healing virtue flow tonight. Let your blessings be upon this place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If you have your Bibles tonight for a few moments, I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 39. And I am going to read beginning with verse number 7 and read down through verse number 12. Joseph uh, is a very familiar story, but it is one that has uh, drawn my heart again, and uh, I want to share with you what the Lord has been talking to me about. Uh, Genesis chapter 39, verse number 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And he said, and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wanteth not what is with me in the house. Or um, a clear translation would be, he, um, he does not know what is going on in this house. That's how much he trusts me. He doesn't even know what's happening here. He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. And there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. I want you to notice what the scripture describes when she came at him day by day and she appealed to him. He would not listen to her. He would not listen to her. He would not lie by her, not with her, but by her, or be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand. And fled and got him out. And everybody said, Amen. 
I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight. I don't even know if I'll get through, but if I don't, we'll, we'll pick it up next week. How to win the battles of life. How to win the battles of life. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is nothing that thrills like a battlefield. Amen. I don't know how many of you have ever been privileged to stand on one. How many of you have ever been to San Jacinto Monument? Anybody think about what's happened out there? Quite amazing. The thrill of the battlefield. There, there is some a certain... Something I don't know how to describe it, but the great battlefields of the world evoke something from you. I remember just a few years ago having the privilege of being in Gettysburg. I love American history and Civil War things. I just always have been one of the things that I enjoyed reading, but I'll never forget that particular day when we stood on the side of that hill where the charge was made. And in my mind, I tried to envision what it must have been like when thousands upon thousands of soldiers, both Union and Confederate, converged in that battlefield. I've seen videos, and as well as you, depicting that. Perhaps the best book I've ever read concerning that particular battle is called Gods and Generals where it actually depicts the gravity of that day and the battle. But thousands of them died, and uh, you, are, you are taken aback. There is a, uh, almost a holy awe about that setting. One of the goals of my life is to someday be able to stand on the French coast where Normandy is and see that vast cemetery of soldiers and to remember that particular occasion. I have had the privilege of being in Arlington Cemetery and going through the thousands upon thousands of graves and how they are so beautifully arrayed and realize that most of those men, many of them died on some battlefield. And there is something about the battlefield that has some kind of connection to us because life, as you well know, is just that. It's a battle. It is strange and it is a dangerous journey. And everybody that is born is born upon a battlefield. The soul of man is one of the great battlefields of the world. And that battlefield is still active. Your soul and mine, it is an active field that still engages in conflict. Normandy is a past thing and Gettysburg is a past event, but the things of my soul and your soul, they are ongoing. And this I have learned that no matter what your age or stage in life, you never outgrow the battle. 
And you never get to the place where there are no more trials. The man who takes the journey of life is confronted by many challenges and many trials and many enemies. You are a target tonight of an enemy that would like to destroy your soul and your purpose and God's plan for your life. I have learned in my few years of living that life consists of two things, building and battling, building and battling. And as important as building and battling is, the outcome of my life is determined not just by my building, but it is often determined by my battling. There are decisive battles that can take place in a person's life. Facing many of the temptations that come against us, that come to frustrate God's plan for our lives. My victory in life is in relation to these decisive battles. How well I do on those battlefields determines the outcome of my life. Sometimes what appears to be a small skirmish is in reality the fight of the century. Sometimes what appears to be an insignificant thing in reality is a make or break point in a person's life. Just because it's only you and not a thousand soldiers that the battle isn't important. And so with that in mind, what I want to come to you with tonight is what I find in Scripture is a proven strategy for winning the battles of life. And don't ever underestimate the battle that you're in right now. You may think it is over some insignificant little nothing, but in truth it is a major make or break moment for your life. There is no greater life study of the battles of life than that of Joseph. And I never tire of studying Joseph's life because every time I go back to it, I find something new. I find something fresh. The story of his life, it seizes the imagination of our mind. Joseph's life is both inspiring and it is instructive. He was the great dreamer. And the world loves a dreamer, but the world also hates a dreamer. And the world that you think will embrace your dream or your desire to be better or to do better, oftentimes will turn against you and try to destroy that dream in your life. This dreamer who had to live through a nightmare in order to see his dream come to pass, lived through a nightmare many times over. But the the question is, how did Joseph stay true to those dreams that God gave him? How did he stay true to himself and to his own character? How did he stay true to his namesake? How did he stay true to God? I, 
I wonder when I read Joseph's story at the stand that he takes and the opposition that he faces and the improbable odds that are against him. It, it is truly an amazing story because in Joseph's story, everything that makes for drama is there. All the ingredients for a great drama are there. In Joseph's story, you will find passion and you'll find power and you'll find position and you'll find pressure and you'll find pleasure. All of the ingredients that the great novelist of the world looked for to draw you into the story are found in Joseph's life. There was not only that, but there was opportunity and there was convenience and there was temptation and there was advantage and there was also anonymity. Who would ever know? Who would ever know? But you know, we, we face our own kind of temptation. And before you dial me out and say, well, Brother Hughes, I, I, I'm not being tempted by a woman. There are various kinds of temptation that assail us. Some people are tempted in body. Some people are tempted by physical appetite. Some people are tempted in mind and spirit. Some are tempted by falsehood. Some are tempted by envy or jealousy or hatred or bitterness. There are many battlefields that we are engaged in in life. Yours may not be a woman like Joseph's was, but that doesn't mean that your battle is not as serious and not as consequential as Joseph's battle was. And the times of temptation they are revealing. They, they have a determining influence upon our life. What a man does or refuses to do on a battlefield is very important. And what a man accepts or rejects or what a man chooses or dismisses will influence his life ever after. And in the hot fires of temptation, many a man's dreams have vanished because he failed in the battle of life. Yet in spite of all of the drama and in spite of all of the subtlety of evil and in spite of the daily dogging of his life, you see a man whose faith is stubborn and his faith is unyielding. You see a man who has strong character. You see a man who is sudden in his recoil against evil and against anything that would compromise his soul. You see a man who has a defiant refusal of a defiling touch. The decisive manner in which he acted and you see the fire that burns with such a scorching heat in the words that he speaks to this particular woman and this situation. You see the source of the mighty passion by which in that moment of great temptation he throws it all behind him for something greater than that moment. God got to talking to me today about moments. 
How many of you have ever heard the, the, the old saying that seconds count? Well, they do. They really do. And I don't want to waste a good sermon, but I'm going to throw one at you and I'm going to preach it later on. But the Bible says that when Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted of the devil, that in a moment of time, he showed him the kingdoms of the world. Not a day or an hour or a week or a year or a month, but in a moment of time. In 60 seconds or less, Satan showed him everything that his plan and purpose had sent him to the world to reach and accomplish in a moment. And the point is that you can do something in a moment that can mess you up for a lifetime. You can do something in a few seconds that can mess up God's plan and purpose for your life for years to come. Seconds count. Your seconds count. And the devil knows that. That's why he tries to minimize the time in your life and make you and I think it's not that big a deal. It's only a minute. It's only a look. Amen. I'll take a Baptist nod. I don't know if you're afraid of me tonight or I'm not making sense. Everything was on the side of Joseph yielding. Everything. And yet in spite of the odds that were against him, he stood and he conquered. I see the great battles that he fought and the victory that he won. And in the face of great odds, he won. At a time in his life when he was vulnerable... He was a young man. He was not a stone. He was not a pillar. There were feelings and emotions as a man that flowed through him like any other normal, ordinary man. It was the time. He was a red-blooded man, and I don't need to be any plainer than that, but I'm here to tell you he was not a stone statue when all of this took place. The continuous and repeated nature of the temptation, she kept coming day after day after day. The Bible didn't say week by week or month by month. It said day by day. Now, after a while, that kind of stuff gets annoying. How many of you, when you're kids, you just keep coming day by day? After a while, you give in just because you're tired of being annoyed. You lost a battle. I've lost a lot of battles in that way. And Joseph was there day by day, hint by hint. Moment by moment. Not only that, but he did it in the face of rank. She was Potiphar's wife. She had power. She had influence. If you don't believe that, read the rest of the story and find out what she got done to him because of his refusal. 
History says that in Egypt, women at that time were some of the loosest of all cultures, and especially women who were of means or their husband had money. They were even more vile in their liberties than the normal woman. So this woman who was loose and ready at any moment to accommodate a young man coming day after day. But every day he closed that door. Every day he said no. Every day he turned and walked away. Every day he refused to give in to it. And then the deceitful eyes of flattery. You know what? Flattery can get a lot of stuff out of us. Flattery can make you do a lot of things. Amen. Oh my, people can butter you up. And the next thing you know, you've compromised a principle of your life. You've compromised something you said you would never do just because they knew how to say the right thing. I remember Sister, I'm not trying to relate Sister Kilgore to evil, but I remember Sister Kilgore had a unique way. Brother Jay knows what I'm talking about. You see her number and you knew it meant work. She wanted you to do something. Brother Kilgore, she wasn't Brother Kilgore. Brother Kilgore called, he wanted to go drink coffee. Sister Kilgore called, she wanted work. And when you'd look at that number, you'd think, am I going to answer that? I'm not going to answer that. And you, finally, you talk yourself into, yeah, I'm going to answer that, but you know your answer. You're going to say, no. No, Sister Kilgore, I can't do that. And that sweet little voice would come on, oh, Brother Mark, I was just thinking about you today. And you know what? We got this thing coming up, and I thought, you know what? I don't want anybody else doing that but Brother Mark. Am I not telling you the truth? And some of you are shaking your head. You know you've had that phone call. And all of a sudden, that hard veneer, that exterior that said, no, I'm not doing this. Next thing I know, I'm cowed down. Oh, I'll tell you, Sister Kilgore. That's what, that's what Potiphar's wife did. So she didn't just flash a little flesh. She flattered him. And you're, you're strong. I, I like your character. And, you know, I like being around people like you. I like talking to people like you. I, I don't like to, the reason I don't talk to my, my, my husband or my wife like this is because they don't understand me, but you understand me. reason I connect with you on Facebook is because you make me feel better. Flattery. Amen. Flattery. And then in the intoxicating atmosphere of promotion, who would not want to do whatever you need to do to get promoted? Well, the world thinks that way. Whatever it takes. Advancement. If he gives in, he's going to gain favor. He's going to have an inside shot at whatever he wants. That's the illusion of evil, is that it can give you what you already had. He already had the inside shot. He didn't need Potiphar's wife to give him an advantage. God had already given him the advantage. 
But that's one of the tricks of the enemy, that he'll try to convince you and I that he can give us something we already have. And yet in spite of all that, Joseph stood. The character that sustained him is amazing. The decisions that anchored him, they are not things that you are born with. You say, well, Brother Hughes, Joseph would just, he just had the character, dude. I'm not that kind of person. This was not something he was, what I'm going to talk to you about tonight is not something that Joseph was birthed with. It wasn't something that came through his lineage. It was something that Joseph had worked out in his life through a period of things that he had gone through and his relationship with God. There were things that he had worked out so that when he came to this battlefield, he had the armor to defeat the enemy. So how did he do that? How did he do that? What keeps a man in such time? What did he know and what did he have that would help him do what he did? Steady his feet, calm his heart, put iron in his soul, as the scripture said. What brought him to the place of saying, I can't, I dare not, I will not. What brought him to that place? And it's found very simply in our scripture text. And I want you to get your Bibles out. We're going to take a journey very quickly. My time is running out. You'll find in the text that I read to you tonight some of the greatest keys to facing the battles of life that you will learn anywhere in scripture or out of scripture. In the principles that are laid down here, if they can become a part of your life and my life, you will be able to stand whatever battle comes, whatever battlefield you find yourself on. There are some simple things that if you can get them down in your heart and make them a part of the fabric of your being, the enemy will never defeat you. Amen. So let's look. Verse number 8. After she had come and made her play and said, lie with me, verse number 8, the Bible said, and he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master doesn't even know what is, what is with me in this house. He doesn't even know what all is going on in his house. That's how much he trusts me. And he has committed all that he hath to my hand. And there is none greater, verse 9, in this house than I. He has not kept anything back from me. The first anchor to Joseph's armor in this battle of his life is that he stopped and he took the time to look around and see how blessed he was just to be where he was. Now, before you ignore that point, let me tell you that that has been the root of sin from the Garden of Eden. 
It has been the devil's number one tactic to get you and I focused on what we don't have instead of what we do have. When the serpent came to Eve, he didn't say, My, what a beautiful garden you've got here. Look at all this stuff you have at your disposal. He took her right to that one thing. One thing. Everybody say one. One thing. That one thing that she couldn't have. And that's where he focused her attention. And he hasn't changed one lick since then. When the devil comes against you and I, and we are engaged in the battle for our life, the first thing that he will try to blur is your vision of how blessed God has been to you, and you don't have to do this to be blessed. You already are blessed. You don't have to compromise this principle to gain something in life. You already have the advantage because God is on your side. And if God has been with you to this point, God will see you through to whatever point may come ahead of you. You are blessed already. And you don't need this. He recognized that in the light of all that had happened to him in his life so far, think about it. Think about it. In everything that had happened to him up to this point, for him to be where he was would have taken perfect timing and a God plan. He couldn't have planned this by himself. How could he be sold and wind up where he was at if God had not been with him? And he said, even in spite of that, if that wasn't even a factor, when I look around at all of the other slaves that were sold on the market when I was, and I see some of them in this house right here, and I see that they're working the fields and I'm over the house, I have been blessed. God has put me in a place to bless me. And I don't want to compromise what God has entrusted to me. I want to ask you something tonight, church. Does God's trusting you mean anything to you? That he would trust you to bless you? That he would trust you to put you in places, even though the moment the surroundings may seem kind of strange and contrary, but he would put you there, he would bring you to that place because of his favor and his goodness He would not jeopardize his blessing by this wrong. He had been trusted. And that meant something to him. You know what's amazing to me in this hour? Is that trust doesn't mean anything to anybody anymore until it's lost. You'd be amazed at the people that sit in my office... And they're clamoring, try to regain trust that they lost by some stupid, ignorant. I don't, I don't have a good enough vocabulary to describe it, and I need to be careful. Decision that they made, and they lost trust. And now they're trying to regain it, and they can't get their hands on it. But Joseph knew he had been blessed. 
And he didn't need Potiphar's wife to help him. God had helped him. And knowing that you have been blessed and knowing that you are blessed will keep you in the battlefield when everything is coming past you and you're wondering where all it is coming from. When you understand God's hand is on me, I may not understand everything, but I'm not out of the will of God and I'm not out of God's plan and purpose for my life and I cannot be given something that I already have. I refuse to be unfaithful where I have been trusted. Amen. And he was thankful that he had been regarded and taken care of. You know what I believe would help a lot of folks? I believe what would help a lot of folks win some battles in life if they could just stop long enough to look around and start being thankful. Thankful whatever you might be in. In everything, give thanks. Come on, somebody help me. Don't go to sleep. I'm not that boring tonight. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The thing that is missing from this world right now is a spirit of thankfulness. And the Bible said the reason for that is because they have given up God. And when you give up God, the next thing that happens to you is you become unthankful. And the reason our world is consumed with selfishness and hatred is because they gave up God. But in the process of giving up God, they've given up their spirit of thanksgiving. And I want to tell you something, folks. Whether you know it or not, you're blessed tonight to be in America. I don't care if America is as bad as it is right now. You're a blessed people to be in a land like we live in. Hallelujah. Gripe about the government all you want to. Gripe about the politicians all you want to. But whether it's Republican or Democrat or Independent, we are a blessed people. And we ought to stand on our feet and say, Thank you, God, that I have liberty tonight. Thank you that I can still worship you. Thank you that I can still praise you. And I can come to my choice of church. And I don't have to have somebody tell me how to serve you. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. He was thankful. He looked around and he saw his blessings. You know what? Even though I'm in a battle, I'm still blessed. Praise God. I'm blessed. I must still be worth something because they're fighting over me. (laughs) You better start worrying where there's no battles. Come on. You better start worrying when you don't have to fight a battle every day. At least I'm worth something. They're fighting over me, God and the devil. Amen. And Joseph looked around and realized that in spite of the battlefield, he was blessed. He didn't feel entitled. Listen to me. He didn't feel entitled to take this liberty because of his position. He didn't feel entitled because of what had happened to him. I'm a victim. I've been misused. I've been exploited. I've I've been hated. All of those things, he didn't use that as an excuse 
to compromise. He looked around and he said, you know what, I'm a blessed man. Look at what God has put me over. Look at what my master has given to me to do. Look at the trust that he has put in me. I can't violate that trust. I can't go against that confidence. I can't do something that would bring down the hope of other people in my life. Mm, mm, mm. The next time that you're tempted to do something wild and crazy and stupid, stop and look around. And ask yourself, do I really want to throw this all away? Do I really want to lose this friendship over some hideous, idiotic, frivolous thing? Do I really want to hurt that person? And I'm blessed. Amen. You know what? You can hate me all you want to, but that hatred cannot take away the blessing of God on my life. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just telling you the truth. You ought to feel that way. Joseph felt that way. That's what kept him in battle. He was blessed. I don't need to set down. I don't need to compromise. I don't need to step down. I don't need to give in because God has blessed my life. I wouldn't be where I'm at if God had not been for me. I wouldn't be where I'm at if God hadn't helped me. I would have died a long time ago. My brothers would have killed me if it had not been for God's keeping power. I would have died in a dungeon. But here I am. Do you think I'm going to throw this away? Amen. He stopped and he looked around. And he said, I'm blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. You know what you need to do? You need to go home and walk in your house tonight and look around. And in spite of every dark shadow that might be over your home and every trial that your home is facing, you need to look at that home and realize, I'm blessed to have what I have. It may not be in perfect order right now, but I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start thanking God for the blessings that are upon this house. And the blessings of God are going to come even greater. I'm not going to keep complaining and I'm not going to keep carping about it. I'm just going to walk into my house and say, thank you, God. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your goodness. That's what will keep you in the day of battle. It's a spirit of thanksgiving and thankfulness. Hallelujah. My, I didn't mean to get so excited. You'll have to forgive me. Praise God. Praise God. You have been blessed. Amen. Praise God. And when you're on the battlefield of life, you need to remember that. I'm too blessed to be stressed. (laughs) Amen. I'm too blessed to have to come down to compromise. Amen. I'm too blessed to back up. I'm too blessed to go away. I'm too blessed to just give in. Amen. And so he looked around and he saw that he was blessed. Then look at verse number 9. He said, There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything From me but thee, because thou art his wife. The second thing that he did was to look 
within and he saw himself and his own self-worth and his own integrity. And he said, how could I do this? Forget about all the other things that I might say, but I'm better than this. I don't have to do this to be accepted. I don't have to do this to get promoted. I don't have to do this to get an advantage over a co-worker. I want to ask you something tonight. What do you think about yourself? What you and I think about ourselves is reflected in the decisions that we make every day. And when we're on the battlefield and we're facing a war like he was facing and the temptation that was on him to give in, in life he realized who I am is more important than what I have. What I am is more important than what I have. And I may lose my position, and I may lose the favor of Potiphar, but I'm not going to lose who I am. I am not going to lose who God made me. He said... There's a line in my life that I'm not going to cross. I love it. He chose to live by higher standards. You know, this is what's amazing. Have you ever wondered if Potiphar's wife did this to him, how many other servants had she been hitting on? It's very unlikely that he was the first one. So that means that there were other people that had already been in bed with her. But just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. That'll preach. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it, whether you smoke or not. That'll preach. Amen. He chose to live by a higher standard. He drew a line. He said, you belong to him. And I'm not crossing that line. He later would have opportunity to fudge. I read it to you. Let me read it to you again. Verse 10 said, And that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her. She's compromised a little bit. Now she's not saying, I want you to lie with me. I want you just to lie by me. Just come on and be in the same room with me. Come on, let's sit at the couch and talk a little bit. He drew a line. The devil doesn't care if you draw a line. He's been facing lines all of his existence. What he wants to know is, will you fudge on that line? And so what he does is he'll keep coming back and he'll compromise his appeal and he'll compromise his proposal to try to see if he can get you to move that line. Just, come on, let's sit out here in the veranda and let's just, let's just, let's just be friends on Facebook. Let's just chat a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to meddle a little bit tonight. 
I'm not talking to any of you. I know y'all don't do none of that. I'm talking to somebody. They're not here, but I'm talking to somebody. He drew a line, and then later on, he would not blur the line. I want you to lie with me. I want you to be with me. And then he said, I want you to what? I, I want you to be with me. Lie by me. But he wouldn't blur the line. Even if no one else knew what he was doing, he would not do it. Because he had to live with himself. You know what? I don't want to have to lie to myself in, able, in order for me to be able to go to sleep at night. Do you realize how many lies one has to tell themselves to hide a sin? It's a whole lot easier just to be honest and confess and put it under the blood or not do it to start with. Novel idea. Novel idea. Many are clever and we manage to devoid or avoid detection. We develop foolproof systems of deceit, but he refused to relinquish his self-respect. That's what, what I'm talking about. Everybody say self-respect. He may have lost his coat, but he kept his character. You ought to write that down in your mind and remember that. I'd rather lose my coat than lose my character. Do you have time for anything else? Let's go next week. There's two more. I'm just going to give you one of them just to start it, and then I'm going to finish it. Verse number 9. He said, There is none greater in this house than I, neither, have he, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin? The third thing that Joseph did after he looked within, is that he looked to the future and he asked himself, is there any future in what I'm about to do? And he saw there was no future in what he was about to commit the act of. That in spite of all the lies, it was never going to turn out the way that he thought it was going to turn out. He held nothing back except you. And he said, I have no future with another man's wife. And you have no future with compromising principles. It doesn't have to be a wife. It could be something. You have no future when you start compromising your principles in your life. That kind of thing has no destiny. And it will go down and inflict damage Far more than what it's worth. Amen. The time to look ahead and anticipate the future is before it happens, not after. Amen. It doesn't matter where you are, right and wrong, never change. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be at home or you can be in Potiphar's house. 
You can be at the mall or at the job. Right and wrong never change. And so Joseph looked ahead and he said, where is this going to take me? What is this going to lead to? And the other thing is he had no problem using a word that all of us need to use more often. And that word is no. Everybody say no. Amen. No. No, period. Not no, comma. No, dot, dot, dot. No, semicolon. No, LOL. No, period. Decisive. No. No. In his no was a clear ring of a made-up mind. Prompt, without hesitation, he closed the door. You know there are danger zones in life that you don't want to violate? I want to ask you a question. We've, we've been listening to the news the last few days about this lost airplane. I don't know. Did anybody find it yet? No. Air safety. How many of you would get on a plane that they would tell you that 50% of the time it would not make its destination? It would crash? How many of you would get on it if it was 75% of the time it wouldn't make its destination? How many would get on if it was 10%? No. Any smart, intelligent person would tell you. But you know what? There are people that get involved and engage in things in life and they compromise in the battles of life when there is a 100% guarantee of failure. But they do it anyway because in their mind the devil has convinced them you're different. You can do it. But when Joseph looked to the future, that future did not include Potiphar's wife. Amen. You don't take gunpowder near a fire without something happening. Amen. You got to keep it clear. And there are some lines and doors that have to be closed. And if we would just take the time, stand with me, I'm through. I'm going to finish the next week. I'll give you the last one next week. Three things that I've told you so far tonight. Number one, he looked around and realized that he was blessed. And he allowed a thankful heart to determine his destiny. He looked inside of himself and he saw that he was better than that. God made me for better things than this. Amen. And the third thing is he looked ahead. And he said, you know what? I, I don't see any future in that. I, I don't see. I, I don't see. And so he made some decisions. He said no. He closed the door. No period. Definite. Definite. 
clear without hesitation. That decisive mind and heart made all the difference in the outcome of his life. Amen. I don't know about you, but I have been engaged in some battles over the last few years that I never thought I would ever have to battle things like that. I've had to deal with things not just as a church but in my own personal life that I never never thought I would ever have to engage myself with. I remember Brother Lee Stone King telling one time he said the greatest pressure and temptation of his life came from 55 to 61. And I heard him, I thought, are you serious? He said, I'm, I'm serious. The greatest temptations and pressures came on my life during that. That doesn't mean I, I still don't have, but he said the greatest pressures came at a most unexpected time. He'd been ministering and, he, and preaching for years. You would think he was beyond all of that, above all of that. But none of us, listen, none of us are above or beyond anything. I want to ask you something. Does it mean anything to you that God trusts you? Say, so how do I know God trusts me? Because he put his spirit in you. How many of you have the Holy Ghost? He entrusted you with His Spirit. He entrusted you with a part of Him. He said, you're going to be my temple. Does that mean anything? It ought to. It did to Joseph. Amen. It ought to mean something to us. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I, I want to win. I don't want to lose these battles. Let's lift our hands and talk to him.